Welcome everybody. Alcoholic milkshakes, shiny objects, and wandering eye syndrome, and in essence, marriage without the sex. Listen in as we talk to Rachel Schaefer Lawson about the sometimes messy legal realities of being in business, as well as her highly insightful new book. Thanks for listening to the Sell My Business podcast, brought to you by Acme Business Brokers. Acme Business Brokers is a matchmaker for buyers and sellers of select businesses. We help our clients identify, refine, evaluate, and leverage their assets, leading to the successful sell or purchase of their business. So I wanted to take a minute and uh, just as a new or existing listener, make you aware of a free tool that we have available for you. And whether you're a buyer or potential buyer of a business or whether you're a business owner that's looking to sell your company, we have created a free tool which is uh, yours for the taking. If you head to our website, which is acmebizbrokers.com, and then right there on the main page, just click on the link for the Acquisition Preparedness Checklist. And then there's one for buyers, and then there's one for sellers. And uh, what's useful about this is a lot of times when individuals start to think about selling or buying a business, it's a good idea to just start understanding some of the factors that you'll have to deal with at some point during your transaction. And we've organized a fairly comprehensive set of questions and then put them into a checklist format so that you can use them quite easily to just get a bead on what you're facing, uh, what you'll need to think about, and uh, what all will be involved in the purchase or sale of a business. So go on over there and grab that. Again, it's a free tool. It's called the Acquisition Preparedness Checklist right off the main page of Acme bizbrokers.com. Enjoy it. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking out another episode of the Sell My Business podcast. This is episode number four. We appreciate you listening. This was a fun one to do. This actually was a conversation that came about through getting to know Rachel just briefly over the course of the last year. I was referred to her on a project that I was working on in the liquor industry. Um, she's actually quite well known and does a lot of work for some of the local distilleries and breweries in our area. And if you're familiar with our part of the world, there are many. And uh, so anyways, we, we got to meet that way through mutual contact. And uh, she's been fun to get to know. And one of the things about Rachel that's really uh, authentic is that She's good at what she does, um, representing business owners' interests and businesses, because she herself is a entrepreneur. She's a business owner and understands what it's like. She grew up in an entrepreneurial household, and uh, you get to hear some of that story just briefly in, in the conversation we have today. And it's included in her book, which we'll talk about as well. I highly recommend that you pick up a copy of it. I'll have links uh, below or wherever you're at. We'll have links to that. It's a fun read. It's very well written. It's entertaining. So I highly recommend that. But she uh, launched into business in 2011. Uh, she has a law firm, uh, Schaefer Law Firm PLLC in Nashville, Tennessee. 
and she really targets working with um, entrepreneurs that are creating stuff that's innovative and new and she does a lot of stuff in the restaurant business and she also um, works for uh, nonprofits that have a really solid cause. So she ended up getting her degree from Northeastern University and then she went on to business entertainment law at Loyola University in New Orleans and uh, she's now in Nashville and that's where she resides and practices. So in our conversation, we end up looking at a few of the analogies that she draws from her book as they correlate to the concept of uh, loving relationships. There's some great ideas and concepts worth taking note of. So with that, enjoy this episode. All right. So here we are with Rachel Schaefer Lawson. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I um, am excited to have you for a variety of reasons. We're going to talk about a few things. You've obviously, I want to get to your book, which was a super fun read. By the way, keep everybody sort of intrigued. The uh, title of the book is Marriage Without the Sex, An Unconventional Approach to Business Relationships. If that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. It's a great title. I wanted to talk with you a little bit today from a perspective of uh, how partnerships come together, all of the dis- different components uh, of uh, leading up to organizing one, putting it together, having one work out, and then eventually the exit uh, strategy for partners um, in terms of how they can get out of a business and have it be a win-win, ideally. That's not, as we'll talk about today, that's not usually the case, unfortunately, but uh, if I think with the right approach, the benefits are huge. So, so let's, let's talk about that. Do, how, many, how often, Rachel, do you see business owners come to you proactively looking to plan their partnership together and then eventually exit out of the business? Um, I think, you know, people come to me, you know, a lot of the time it's, it's sometimes it's just one and they're just kind of getting a feel for the landscape of what does it mean to hire a lawyer to do pretty much anything. Sometimes they come, they both come to me, but my law practice is kind of um, specific in that most of the partnerships that come to me, um, I usually work with in the local lifestyle, small business space. So most of these people are thinking they're going to be, um, you know, quote unquote, business married forever. Obviously that is, you know, not the case all the time, but, and we have to have that conversation of, well, what's going to happen when you guys, you know, really don't like each other. Are we going to jump ship? Are we going to try to work through it? You know, how's that going to work? Because I, I really think that as is, as in with, you know, a, a regular romantic relationship, you have to have that thought in your head. That's why, you know, the idea of a prenuptial agreement for, you know, marriages is becoming so much more mainstream as it should. Because, you know, the statistics speak for themselves. 50% of marriages fail. In my book, I talk about the statistics of business partnerships failing is, is even higher. And uh, so we have to, we can't ignore the realities of those things. So even though most, you know, partners come into me and are holding hands and they're so in business love with each other uh, when they come to see me, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have a conversation and several conversations about, well, what are we going to do when you have that first fight or, you know, several fights? Uh, how's that going to work? What, what's, what are we going to do with this? You know, I, we, we always have that conversation, even though, you know, a lot of them don't come to me with the idea that they're going to exit right away. 
So do you think it's just not type, top of mind or do you think that, that they don't notice you that or do you think that they're just avoiding the potential pain in the future or what, what, do, you, what do you think that that happens that way? That's an excellent question. I think it's a little bit of all of the, the above. It's the same reason people don't want to get their estates in order. Nobody ever wants to talk about death. You know, there's, there's two absolutes in this, this world, guarantees, uh, death and taxes. So I hate to tell everybody, but you're going to die someday. And if you want to know where your stuff is going to go, like whether you care or not, that's, you know, some attorneys are like, I, I don't care. I'm dead. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's the same thing, you know, um, some, you know, I have, I've, I've definitely seen kind of a shift and I think it's a shift of the type of business owners that are coming to see me. I think it's a shift in, you know, the availability of information and a lot of them are coming to see me and they're like, we want to do this thing, but we are, coming into it with very open eyes about that this could go very badly and we want to have those conversations but we want to have it in a way that is guided and you know we want to use an expert as to help guide us through what that conversation should look like because i think a lot of them come to me and they're, they're not sure how to have that conversation you know it's you know the 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 bringing up the prenuptial agreement conversation is certainly um can be done untactfully. I've, I've heard many, many stories of it being done untactfully. <laughs> you know, I tell a lot of people that my husband and I had that conversation when we were first dating. And it was kind of like, you know, I, I basically said to him like, well, I'm a lawyer and we're having a prenup. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And we actually, we signed our prenuptial agreement the morning of our wedding. And it was never, it was never a difficult conversation, but I've had a lot of people who've told me that it was kind of thrust upon them. It is strange moment and they just don't know how to have that conversation like when when you have that how do you bring it up um and i think it's almost you know that kind of situation where they're just not sure how to do it all right so let's let's jump into the book a little bit because this is a great opportunity mm -hmm. you've used some terms some phraseology that is in the book you you've developed which is like business and love which is great um but <laughs> You start with this story about Lance. It's kind of an overarching story throughout each chapter of Lance and Larissa and mm -hmm. uh, how they meet and come together and fall in business love and then start a company, yes. which is how most of them happen. And then what happens yes. from there. First of all, maybe just touch lightly on um, Lance and Larissa. And then also uh, we can get into some of this other stuff like business, uh, falling in business love and um, business marriage, which is great. Sure, sure. So I tell a lot of people um, who want to know kind of how I came up with the concept of this book is that if you ever read um, most books in the self-help genre, a lot of them have this hypothetical couple. And, uh, you know, in the, in the, for, in the um, intro of my book, it talks about how my husband and I were, were reading one of these marriage self-help books prior to us getting married. And this book that, you know, uh, His Needs, Her Needs had one of these, these hypothetical couples that, that no matter what they, like people were having affairs. And I just read it and I just thought it was really funny in my weird, sarcastic kind of humor, I suppose. And so I really wanted to almost parody that in my book. Um, and also, I think it, it uh, you know, what the, the Lance and Larissa story was meant to kind of be tongue in cheek. Um, this first chapter is called How They Met. It's almost like that Harry met Sa when Harry met Sally kind of thing, too. It's like all these like, creative things I pulled from when I did it. And it's meant to be tongue in cheek. But as I got into it, it was like, man, this is a story of so many clients that I've had. And, it, and it's, you know, some of it is real, you know, in the sense that I, I've actually had these types of things happen with clients. And also, I, I wanted it to be... Um, uh, you know, I'm located in Nashville and I wanted it to have that Nashville element um, since, you know, Lance, you know, quote unquote, proposes to Larissa at a Predators game. It, it, I think it brings things home. I hope that it that that when readers, you know, get into each chapter, 
you know, because every chapter starts with a little update on where they are, it, it, you know, maybe it resonates with them in something they've dealt with or, you know, kind of seeing their future as, you know, and what they could be dealing with. I think that it, it, it's, uh, it really ended up being a story that was very, brought in so many elements of, of clients I've seen over the years. Um, and I was, I was very happy with how it, how it turned out at the end. I have to say, if, you, if you've been in business at all for, you know, any period of time, any decent period of time, you, you cannot help but recognize parts of your experience in Lance or Larissa. It's actually quite, mm -hmm. quite, uh, it's funny, to, it's la funny to laugh at yourself sometimes. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. When I was interviewing clients about this, you know, I was, per part of me was a little bit, um, you know, not sure how open some of my clients were gonna be about, you know, some of these really difficult things. Because, you know, one of the things that I learned, I think I've learned over the years, and actually kind of drove home writing this book is that, you know, that phrase that it's not personal, it's business is bullshit. Whoever says that, I don't know, because it's always going to be personal. I don't know anything that's not more personal. And I know that because I own a business and my business is like a child to me. And it's, it's absolutely personal. It's always going to be. I mean, it's your livelihood. You spend more time with your business partner sometimes than your spouse. But, you know, my clients were, um, I think it, it was some, for some of them, it was almost very cathartic to get some of this stuff out. In, in this kind of way. I think it was, uh, it was good for most of them. I don't think anybody had a really difficult time. With and I was surprised at how very open they were. Um, and I think they, they share the same goal that I had with this book. And my goal for this book was that if one business is saved from either starting at all, maybe, because maybe they're getting, someone's getting involved with the wrong partner, or a partnership is salvaged by this book, I have done my job. I don't, it's just one. That's all. Someday I hope to hear that someone picked up my book and said, this book really come change the direction of the business. And, and that would make me so, so proud to do what I do and, and to have written it at all. So, so what is uh, falling business in love and what, and um, I know you, you equate the partnership part of it to, to the marriage. Obviously we've talked about that a little bit, but um, talk about that, that, those ideas a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I, what I kept seeing, um, you know, is that people were meeting people in very similar ways that we, we, we meet romantic partners. They're, they're meeting at networking events. They're meeting at social events, you know, who knows um, they're meeting at, you know, shared interest events. And, you know, six weeks later, they're like, yeah, let's, let's start a business together. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even know this person's like mother's maiden name. Like, let's pump the brakes here. Okay. Like <laughs> most of you are not going to marry, like I, as far as I'm, I know, almost all of them that I asked, like you didn't marry your spouse after knowing them for six weeks. Right. Um, most of them said yes, but you know, every now and then I would, I would ask that question and I get the, oh yeah, we, we got married like a month later. I'm like, all right, that's cool. But most people don't do that. You know, it's, uh, you know, uh, you, you gotta, there's, there's a lot to be said about really getting to know someone, just being friends with someone, just knowing someone, um, because you, you know, have had several social interactions with them or even worked with them in another, in a job is very, very, very different than being in a business with someone. It's, it's a totally different relationship. Mm -hmm. And I've had a number of those types come into my office, you know, friends, social acquaintances, even those that have were both employees at another company and thought they could do it better on their own. 
it's a very different thing that, you know, you may think that you know someone, but I, I tell people like get into business with someone and then you're going to really find out whether you know someone or not. Absolutely. Uh, just like, in, <laughs> just like in marriage, there's an example in there, but um, I don't, I won't name specifics, but there's an example that you see sometimes in traditional marriages where uh, once the arrangement is consummated, you know, one or the other partner becomes an entirely different person. That does happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and honestly people, you know, while I believe that people in, in a fundamental way don't inherently change, like we as people grow and change. We're not, thank God we're not all stuck the way we were when we were like in our early twenties. I mean, good Lord, that would be horrible. So, you know, it's, you're going to grow and change as people in a business, just as you are in a marriage. Um, and I think my mom's example is a perfect example of that. She was in um, a, a business partnership for 10 years and her partner just kind of checked out, you know, towards the end. He just wanted to coast and she wasn't ready to do that. And, you know, I think there were some personal things going on with him as to, you know, why that happened. But it, it, it led to a very tumultuous time for her to get separated from that situation. Um, mm -hmm. And that's 10 years. You know, I think... Um, as, as I strongly believe, and, and, you know, while I have, may not have been married nearly as long as, you know, my parents were married for over 40 years, but I, I can definitely say that marriage takes work every single day. And I believe very strongly that a business partnership takes work every single day. And, you know, my husband and I have always said, but, you know, the day that we decide that we don't want to work towards this thing, to this, this thing that we've created together is the day we probably should be together. And every day we wake up, we're like, yep, still want to keep working. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to do the same thing in a business partnership. You really yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. And there's cycles um, for everything and everybody. Um, so there'll be times, you know, on and off uh, for, for everybody in any relationship dynamic, but uh, yeah, that's, that's good advice. And even if you get to the end and you feel like you don't want to go anymore, wait one more day and try it, try it again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> or, you know, and sometimes you have to bring in outside help, marriage counselors. I'm the business version of a marriage counselor in, in a way, you know, and, and I have acted as such. It's, and it's, an, it's a role I wasn't really, I, I never really thought I was going to have, <laughs> you know, they don't teach us that in law school, but I've had to and uh, learned a lot from it. But, uh, you know, and, and I'm not always successful, which is, you know, never, never a happy time. But, you know, sometimes, it, you know, I, I believe that that failure is, first of all, in the eye of the beholder. And if you can look at a failure as, you know, most of my clients who have had business partnerships that have blown up or fallen apart, tell me they have learned probably more from that experience than any other in their lives. So, you know, take that how you will. You can, you could be the eternal optimist like I am, but that's how a lot of people I've, I've come across have looked at it. Uh, so leading up to the prenup, you have this idea of a scale of liability, which I liked a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And you also, you know, you, you, you do assessments in essence. Um, yeah. So talk to that. That's really a great idea. I think it's essential, you know, um, so I actually have, um, I've been trying to, uh, I've been trying to get two of my business partners who started a business about six months ago to kind of see eye to eye recently. And it's, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, when they came into my office, they, they wanted to, you know, just go, you know, they were ready to go. They, they wanted to roll right into, you know, let's find the operating room. Let's get this thing going. And I was like, hold on guys. Like we, there's, there's, stuff that it sounds kind of touchy feely, but we need to go through these things. So, 
you know, I don't know if they actually did go through my, my questionnaires or not. And, and I really believe that the questionnaires I've developed, you know, getting into conversations about how do you deal with money, you know, how, you know, really getting into it, the, the questions themselves are not that difficult to answer, but what they're, they're designed to do is to get to that old underlying issues of, do you really trust this person at the end of the day? And I think that is, um, you can't, you know, you may say, yeah, I trust this person, but uh, I think you need to get into like actual scenarios to really know that. Mm-hmm. And so whether they actually went through it in the way that I had designed it, I am guessing no, because the reason that they are splitting is absolutely personality clash issue. I, uh, one of them I've been trying to reason with, and I've never met someone more stubborn in my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and my, the other partner was like, you know, he said to me, Rachel, if I had known that this is how he was going to be, I never would have gotten into it with him. I was like, yeah. And that, that no questionnaire in the world is necessarily going to bring some of that stuff out. Sometimes you need to, you know, see how it goes, you know, maybe even quote unquote date for a while before you make anything formal and formalize things um, to really decide, like, can I deal with the, these, the quirks of this person? You know, it's the same thing, like, you know, dating somebody, you know, moving in with them. You know, can I deal with the fact that uh, they leave their socks all over the place? Can I deal with the fact that they don't do the, you know, they don't load the dishwasher correctly? Any married person that I'm speaking to right now understands where I'm coming from right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, can we, can we deal with these things? And, and I think that it, it, for the greater good, yes, there are things we can, but, you know, there are other, there's some issues that I think some people just consider deal breakers. And that's, that's knowing yourself. And knowing what you feel like you can deal with um, in that situation, you know, I think that oh, it's it takes it takes time to get to know someone, and there's not a whole lot that we can do to speed that process up. You know, at the end of the day, it's getting into situations with someone, it's it's being around that person for, for a, you know a period of time to really know do I really know this person and do I really want to be in business with them. So assessing up front, obviously looking uh, for that period of time to see, you know, how compatible, um, if there's any deal breakers, but then you head into the prenup, which is uh, basically the organization um, of the entity and then defining all of those, those uh, lanes, you call them, (laughs) staying in your lane. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yes, because I found um, in my research and my talking with with my successful business owners that one of the most powerful things that I learned is that the the business owners that come to the table with complementary skill sets are the ones that tend to be the most successful. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So, you know, if you've got one person who's coming in who is the marketing person who's very creative, but then you've got one who's very devil in the details operational, Stay in your freaking lanes, do your thing, check in with each other, make sure that, that, you know, somebody doesn't need help or whatever, but don't start trying to do that person's job. And that can be really hard. Most entrepreneurs are A-type personalities. They want to control everything. You know, I, I, I tell people, you know, I've owned my business for seven years. I've been an, an attorney for almost eight. And uh, I hired my first employee about four years ago. And it's taken me about three and a half years to properly learn how to delegate. That's mm. how hard it was for me to let go. 
and bring two of those type of personalities right from the outset. And that can be a recipe for disaster if we don't really know what the situation, what, what our, our strengths and weaknesses really are with each other. You know, and a lot of people are not willing to admit what their weaknesses are. And uh, part, of, part of my whole, you know, exploratory thing with, with business partners is you got to know yourself before you can know someone else and love them. <laughs> we use a tool to assess individuals uh, from a variety of standpoints, but uh, the most effective organizations that we've seen are the ones that map out in balanced quadrants all around the chart. The ones that are lopsided are the ones that tend to be wrestling with the biggest yep. issues. So. Yeah, and those personality tests are, are really fantastic tools um, to really find out who you are and, you know, find out who your partner is and kind of know, you know, almost see those, those landmines before they happen. If you know that you are very A-type and very controlling, and if your partner knows that, then if we can figure out how to work with that, not try to change you, but try to work with that. That's, that's a step forward. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, you're never going to change anybody. It's not going to happen. So, it, you know, if, so, if a personality court comes out, you know, part of, in part of the dating process, you know, I really recommend that we address it up front and, and really, you know, have it out about it before it becomes a, like a deal breaking situation. It doesn't need to get to that point over one thing, you know, and I tell people most of my, um, my business owners that are also in a familial relationship, they're either married or their brother and sister or whatever, they tend to be more successful because they've already kind of done all this work. They don't need necessarily to have the questionnaire. They've already laid the groundwork. They've already, you know, had those stupid fights over those stupid things and moved on from that. So that, you know, they're stronger for it and they tend to, you know, if they're going to have a fight over something, it's usually, it, it, they're fighting well with each other. You know, any married couple, there's no such thing as not fighting. I, I don't know any, like married couples that don't fight, that scares me. Business <laughs> owners that don't fight, scare me. Okay. You're gonna fight. But the, answer, the, the, the difference between fighting destructively and fighting constructively is, is there's not a whole lot of difference there, but like, you know, some people have to learn how to do that. The ones that are constructive are going to move you forward to a place where, but there's a difference between, you know, fighting well and fighting not so well. Agreed. So uh, one thing you talked about in the book, which I thought was really interesting, uh, and I hadn't ever thought about it from this angle, but I'm thinking about it from a overall value of the business perspective. This I'll just mention the term alcoholic milkshakes, which I thought was funny, but, uh, <laughs> but this shiny object syndrome, or you call it wandering eye syndrome for entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that get into business with each other. And then one or the other gets distracted off on another project um, yep. to the detriment of the existing project. That's a liability. That's actually something very interesting. Uh, you want to speak to that? Absolutely. And that, that can be, um, that can take a number of forms. You know, um, if you have business owners that are in a business together, but they have other businesses that, that don't include each other, there is always, you know, from a legal standpoint, you have a fiduciary duty to whatever businesses you have. And if you start siphoning assets from one business to fuel another, well, that's a little bit illegal, and we got to be careful about that kind of thing. 
and we can't be doing that. And you know, you have you have a you know underlying all businesses, whether you're single member, multi member, doesn't matter. There is a there is a duty of good faith, fair dealing, and fiduciary duties. You have to do the right thing by the business. As I tell a lot of people, you know, the business itself. Once we form a corporate entity, the business is is basically a thing. It's a child, if you will. It has its own social security number. It um, can file taxes. It can be sued, and it can sue. Um, and if um, you start, you know, starving the business and not, you know or taking things away from the business, the business can get pissed off and then call me and I can, you know, sue you as the business owners on behalf of the business. That does happen. Um, and so we want to be careful of that kind of thing. You know, if, if one business owner is, uh, one of the things that I, I think are really important in partnership type agreements, operating agreements, you know, depending on the type of business you have, is there needs to be some kind of KPIs or metrics for what is, what are the business owners obligated to be doing? You know, if it's if it's um, contributing money, if it's um, spending a certain amount of time per week in the business, those things are measurable. They're tangible. Um, we can say, hey, partner one, you are supposed to be dedicating 40 hours a week, and you're not even coming close to that. What is going on? Heading those things off before they become a problem. Uh, you know, partner two, you're supposed to have contributed this much money and you haven't. What's the deal? You know, having those, you know, candid conversations with these, you know, metrics are really important. And one of the things I mentioned in the book is, you know, you have a lot of conversations, you know, getting the business up and running. You're constantly meeting, constantly getting things together. So then once the business starts, it's like meeting with each other and talking to each other just completely falls off a cliff. And, um, I, I think that that is like the worst thing you can do. You have to continue meeting. You have to continue talking to each other. It's almost like, you know, you have a kid and we're so, we're so busy raising the kid that we forget that, um, yeah, we were a married couple once. You know, it's important. It's, it's really important um, mm. to, to make sure that you, you two are, the two partners are, you know, feel, feel heard, feel, you know, nurtured. You know, I think it's really important. I agree. And having those uh, systems in place um, from a value standpoint of the business too, mm-hmm. which kind of leads us to our next topic. If anything happens and, you know, the dynamics change by either a partner leaving, being bought out, whatever happens, or maybe somebody, which we, nobody likes to talk about, maybe somebody passes or dies and, and, uh, yeah. or maybe they both decide, Hey, this is it. We're done. We want to sell the business. But having mm-hmm. those things in place, um, up the value and oh yeah how many how many times do you see people planning for the end do you is that something that people are proactively doing with you these days well they are because i tell them to <laughs> and uh most of my clients you know from from day one you know i i i, I do have the occasional client that um hires me yet does not listen to me which is the most bizarre thing you pay me a crap ton of money and you don't listen to me it's uh not my favorite, and it's highly frustrating for me, but most of my clients, they come into me and they understand that, you know, I'm not telling you things for my health. You're paying me to tell you them. So it's, you know, whether you want to, you know, take my word or not. So, you know, we have those conversations on the front end, but, you know, having your buy-sell insurance, key man policies, all of that stuff, I find that most business owners are, you know, drinking out of a fire hose the first six months of starting a business. It is, 
So it is a tumultuous time. It is super exciting. I always tell people when I started my practice, because I was 26 years old, uh, I was fresh out of law school. I had no idea what I was doing. And I tell people it was the most terrifying yet most exciting times of my life because every day was an adventure. <laughs> and it's very, it's, it's a lot like that. So I, I tell, you know, we, I, I plant that seed in the beginning with most of my business owners, but we usually, I like to come visit it at least uh, six months to a year after they've started because by then you know they've they've kind of things have hopefully settled in they've got a rhythm going and we can go back to these things and say all right let's get this stuff in place now and it's you know they can they can kind of digest that at that point but i plant the seed early i explain these things to them that you know um it, it, i i don't have a crystal ball i don't know how things are going to how long you're going to be in business together you can be in business together for six months you could be in business together for you know 60 years i don't know but it's never going to be a bad idea to make sure that if if the time comes when we need to separate that we are doing that in a way that is going to be as as non-contentious as, as we can possibly make it you know those types of products are um, absolutely, you know, are how we, you know, keep that from happening. Yeah, and the ones, and for those individuals that did, you know, build that foundation, when it comes time for them to sell or to uh, exit the business, I mean, how, how, how will that stack up from a legal standpoint? I mean, any thoughts? Well, Oh yeah. So, so what usually happens in these, in these scenarios is that, you know, you know, I represent the business in the situation. So if everybody's unhappy, then everybody's got to go out and get their own lawyers. So now you're paying more lawyers to deal with the situation. Everybody nitpicking over every single damn thing, but a lot of stuff that could have been, you know, handled on the front end, you know, so, so, you know, back to your point, you know, the same problem we have where they don't want to listen to me in the sense of they don't want to do the work ahead of time. So, hey, so one one other point on this, and I'm, I'm trying to bring this back around to, you know, the eventual exit in a positive light, mm -hmm. like not necessarily like people can be working together for years. And then one day just say, you know, what, I think we're done with this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then and then if they set it up properly, if they've actually mm -hmm. done the work, and they've built something of value and they have, you know, something that's actually marketable. Another option is to actually sell the business, to sell the company. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, and so the work that you're suggesting on the front end is so valuable. It's the, it's the foundation that you build your house on in essence. Yes. Well, and you know, uh, you know, most small businesses, when it comes to buy sell situations, the owners are the business. They are the, you know, the, the value that there is in the business. Now, if the business is um, matured to a certain point where the business owners have not become essential to running the business, obviously those are the best ones to sell. The value is separate and apart from its owners. You know, um, there's process, always this, you know, the you know, processes and systems are in place and the goodwill has been established. Yes. Yes. You've done all of that stuff and you can sell something that's not yourself. You know, you're, you don't have to be in that business for it to have value. And if both of you have done that, if both of you have almost worked yourself out of a job, you know, a lot of the times, you know, businesses come up for sale because the partners are like, well, we could run this thing in our sleep. We want to move on to a new challenge. So let's put it up for sale, get what we can, and then fund the next thing. That mm -hmm. happens all the time. You know, it, it's a, it's a, 
great way to do things. And those are two partners who know, really know their strengths and weaknesses really, really well. But, you know, from a fundamental legal standpoint, people who are looking to buy a business, you know, savvy people who are buying businesses, you know, those that are informed, if you will, need to see certain things in place. They want to see that you have the right setup, that you want to see those, um, you know, operating agreements in place, especially if it's a situation where one partner is selling and the other partner is not. That happens too. And then they, they want to see that you have protected the goodwill. They want to see if you're um, a, con a contract related business that all of your contracts are in place and you know where they are and they're signed and all that stuff. Uh, if you've got key employees that you have, you know, done all the, the, the legal protections that are required, you know, just in case something happens to them, that you're handing over a lovely wrap package with a bow on it. That's, that's what we, you know, and from your side of things as a business broker, that that's what you want to see. But I venture a guess that you rarely see them so well put together. Yeah. Well, I, it's like, it's like anything, you know, there's, um, there's different levels of, um, there's different strata of uh, commitment to, to those outcomes. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's, you know, there's the good, the bad and the ugly and all of that as well. And um, yes. that's not the ideal. I mean, that's why we always bring it back to the question of why are you, why are you in business? What are you really looking to do? Um, and most people are mm -hmm. trying to solve a problem. Yes. Well, the best businesses solve a problem that, you know, some people are just in business because they can't figure anything else to do. Um, you know, and it, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that if you're solving a problem that no one has, then you're going to have a hard time with that. And, it, you know, one of the, the key issues that business owners, you know, the financial aspect of things can cause lots of lots of problems within any business and it causes problems in marriage too. And um, that's why I really believe the conversation about finances and how each views finances are so important when it comes to um, starting a business with more than one person. Um, you have to understand that aspect of things. Yeah, most people um, on that topic have a lot of um, unconscious, uh, hidden ideas about money that uh, actually come out when they're on their own mm -hmm. running a business. It's one thing to be an, to be trained and and to work in the workforce as an employee, but when you actually step oh, yeah. out and assume the risk. Oh, it's so different, you know, and that's, you know, some people are, you know, inherently spenders, some people are inherently savers, but one of the questions in the book talks about, you know, different, you know, kind of a, a hypothetical situation of like, you know, you have this, this kind of little, you know, extra money left over from the year and you could go, you could spend it on, you know, X, Y, Z. There's no right answer. It's just understanding that what, how are you guys going to go through that process when it comes up? You know, how does that conversation look? So play it out as if it's actually happening. That's, that's the goal of that whole question mm -hmm. is I want people to actually picture themselves having that because it's an absolute, that scenario can happen to anybody. And if you guys haven't had a conversation of, well, I feel really strongly that we need to purchase inventory. Well, I feel really strongly that we need to, you know, invest in marketing. You know, that, those are two very different things and you got to talk it out and figure out, you know, that's a conflict. How do we work it out? Does this become, does this, is this become into a knockdown drag out fight or do we both come to a place where we can be happy? It's that give and take, give and take, you know, if you want, if you want to make all the decisions in your business and not have to listen to anybody, then start a business on your own. If you're willing to, to be open to other, to another person's ideas and input then start a business with someone else, it's really that simple at the end of the day.
But yeah. a lot of people don't know that about themselves. Yeah, that's true. That's true. A lot of people think it's fun to be in business with somebody else until they're in business with somebody else. And there are some really interesting stats in your book too. I, and I do encourage people to pick up a copy of it. Um, we'll have the links below, but the idea that, you know, uh, sole proprietors versus, or I should say individual solopreneurs versus, um, partnerships, the statistics on that. And then also one thing that I thought was interesting, and there were some of the stats you had on family businesses being more successful because because they're more pliable, like, or they're more flexible, I guess. Um, so um, worth, worth picking up the book and looking at some of the stats in there. And it's just a great read. It's a real quick read. And you find yourself flying through it and, and just, uh, you know, getting a lot of insight. So for those of you um, who are thinking through dyna- partnership dynamics in your business and the ramifications of it, uh, incredible book um, to pick up and read. Uh, well, thank Rachel, you for all the kind words. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, one thing I wanted to just ask is, uh, what? So, what's what's on the roadmap? What's on the dashboard for you in the future? Here, what are you working on? What's what's kind of really exciting for you? Oh man! So uh, you know, I, I mean, the book uh, was about a year of my life. Uh, also, I had my son when I wrote the book, and so I tell a lot of people that the year that I wrote this book, I blacked out for a while. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of it. Um, so for now we're, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, getting the book out there. It's, uh, it's been, it's been a huge accomplishment for me. It's something I've been wanting to do for such a long time, but for us, you know, we're, we're in a growth period right now with the firm. You know, we are, we are kicking ass and taking names and, uh, you know, we just want to be that, resource in the Nashville area. And we do, we can um, represent clients in other jurisdictions for myself. I'm licensed to practice in Tennessee and New York. Um, But federal stuff like intellectual property and some of the nonprofit work that we do does not matter which jurisdiction people are located in. So, you know, we are, we just want to be that resource for the, you know, local lifestyle, small business owner. Um, We, that's, that's always been my, my mission and my passion. I love business ideas so much. And that's always been, you know, what I, I, you know, strive to be that advisor to um, the small business community. And uh, so we're just kind of, you know, trucking along and uh, like I said, kicking ass and taking names right now. If you're in the market for a business or you'd like to see examples of the businesses that we have for sale, go to acmebizbrokers.com forward slash listings. You can browse our featured as well as our standard listings, and you can download the spec sheets on each business. Thank you for listening to the Sell My Business podcast. Be sure to subscribe to listen to future episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Acme Biz Brokers. All content is copywritten. Acme Business Brokers 2018.